0: Hi there. It's Christy Lee here and welcome to episode number 109 of the People Powered Business Podcast. It's so great to have you here this week on the podcast. I hope you're having a fabulous week and welcome to this week's episode. Now this week we are getting into somewhat of a technical HR topic. We don't go technical too often, but I've realized recently that many businesses are just not aware of this one particular document that is so valuable in protecting your business? And today I thought it was time to have a chat about a bit of a technical document. And you know, those of you who know me know that I don't like to get bogged down in the paperwork of HR. I don't think that having excessive policies, documents and resources that you don't need is valuable to anyone. But this document delivers in spades over and over again. And it feels like one of the most under-recognized, undervalued and underutilized piece of HR documentation that we have at our disposal here in Australia. And of course, maybe not of course, but what I am talking about is the Individual Flexibility Agreement, otherwise known as an IFA. Now, the reason I say that these are the most underutilized, undervalued resource that we have at our disposal is that I think many business owners and managers and leaders of people just aren't aware of, firstly, the importance of having this document in their business, but also what you can actually do with one of these documents. So today, what I'll firstly do is I'll unpack for you what an IFA is. We'll then talk about when do you actually need to use them and why they are such a crucial and invaluable tool in your business. So let's dive in firstly to what an IFA or an individual flexibility agreement is. Put simply, an IFA is a document that is made by mutual agreement between you and an individual employee, you as the business owner, or the business and an individual employee, that agrees to alter some of the conditions of the relevant modern award that they're covered under in order to create A flexible working arrangement, a working arrangement that works better for both you and them. So it's a document through which you can both agree to do things a little differently than what the award would otherwise require you to do. And many businesses just don't know that actually, if you want to not just follow the award in detail, that firstly you can do that, and secondly, when you do do that, Actually, you need this document in place to protect you. You see, without having an IFA, you leave yourself exposed. And I'm going to talk about some of the risks a little later. There is a common misconception that just because you pay above award rates, that you're covered, and it's simply not the case. Even when you pay above award rates, if you do not have an IFA or an Individual Flexibility Agreement in place then you are at risk. We're going to talk about that a little later. So IFAs or individual flexibility agreements are specifically when you have employees who are covered by an award and that you and where you're doing things a little differently than the award would otherwise stipulate, which is probably 99% of you, to be honest. Most businesses don't follow everything in the award to detail. And an IFA is golden for helping you create a legal way to have that arrangement in place. So when should you be creating these key documents of protection? So as I said, this is relevant if you have award-covered staff. So if you have staff that are covered by any modern award, and there are 120-odd modern awards, and really the vast majority of employees in Australia are covered by a modern award, there are very few exceptions to that rule. So it's very likely that you have award-covered staff in your business And you want to alter those award conditions. Now, some of the most common ways we are looking at altering award conditions is we're looking to alter when work is done, so the hours of work. We're looking to alter how we pay people, so paying higher rates of pay, but then not paying all the little intricate loadings and allowances. Or we're looking to alter how, when, and where the work is done. Maybe that's around fluctuating hours. Maybe that's around working from home part of the week, maybe it is around having flexibility for the employee to decide when work is done. And so let me give you some specific examples. One of the key reasons that I see IFAs created or individual flexibility agreements created is to avoid paying annual leave loading. Now, I've spoken on the podcast before about how ridiculous I think annual leave loading is. I do not understand in today's day and age why we pay people extra when they're on annual leave. It is insane. Sure, 50 years ago we had to encourage people to take leave from work. Not these days. We're trying more, it's more difficult to manage the leave than getting people to take leave. Annual leave loading is an incentive to take leave, and in all of the modern awards it is 17.5%. And what that means is that when someone is on annual leave, If they are an award-covered employee, you should be paying them an extra 17.5%, even if you're already paying above award. Now, no one wants to do that. It's my pet hate. It's probably the thing I hate most about our workplace relations laws. Maybe not the most. That might be a bit harsh, but it it, it is a pet peeve of mine. So annual leave loading. No one wants to pay it, right? So we create an IFA in order to avoid paying it. I'm going to talk about the rules of the IFA in a moment. What about flexible work hours? This is a a big one. So this is a great example. One of our clients, they um, are in accounting practice and generally their staff work particular hours during the day, but sometimes their staff actually want to be able to stop working in the day to go and get the kids from school, take care of the kids in the afternoon, and do that extra couple of hours that they've missed out on at night. Now, under that particular award that they're covered by, they would need to be paying Um, an allowance or a loading because the work's being done outside of the normal span of hours of that award. And in some cases, they might even be paying overtime rates because of the times that their staff are choosing to work. Now, their staff want this flexibility. They're happy to provide this flexibility. And an IFA allows them to detail that because it's to meet the genuine needs of the employee and it meets the needs of the organization. But without an IFA, they could easily be stung for penalty allowances, A common thing that we see IFAs used for is to allow part-time employees to work more flexibly. In many of the modern awards, if a part-time employee works outside of their set hours of work, so maybe they pick up an extra day for you or work back a few hours, most modern awards would require you to pay them overtime rates for that. But you could create in an IFA a situation where to meet the mutual needs of the employee and the business to create that flexibility because the employee wants the extra hours but you wouldn't give it to them at overtime rates, it wouldn't be cost effective. You can create that in an IFA. And most commonly in many industries, we're talking about loaded rates. We're talking about rates that have been created to incorporate and to absorb in all of the allowances. Now, there are some modern awards. The Building and Construction on Site Award is a great example. You basically get an allowance for showing up to work in that award. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, a lot of the trades uh, awards have very confusing uh, allowance structures, uh, and so do many of the allied health awards, actually. So it's opted in many of those industries that employees employers just pay a higher hourly rate and get everything absorbed in, which is totally fine if you have an IFA in place. And if you don't, you're at risk of back payment. So there's some of the common examples of situations where businesses would create IFAs to give them that flexibility. And the key rule with any IFA or individual flexibility agreement that you create is that it must meet what Fair Work call the better off overall test, also referred to as boot, better off overall test. And all this is, is a quick analysis to determine that the employee is better off under the conditions you're proposing in the IFA then they would be under award conditions. So if you do the maths and the loader rate that you're proposing actually doesn't cover all the things, it's not high enough. It won't meet the boot and you'll end up in all kinds of strife with the Fair Work Commission. So these documents are great to create flexibility, but also they protect you. They protect you from back payment claims. And I do want to note as well, if you've got employees on an annual salary, then an IFA may not be what you need. You may need something else called an annualized wage agreement, but that entirely depends on what award the employee is covered by, because that causes only in a few awards. But I just want to throw that out there. We won't get into that today, but I just want to throw that out there that In some cases, you're going to need an annualized wage agreement instead of an individual flexibility agreement. It's lucky I love acronyms given what I do for work, isn't it? IFAs, AWAs, it's nonstop. So why are these, this document, why this document? Why is it so critical? Like I've alluded to, this is about protecting your business, protecting your business specifically from back payment and underpayment claims let me share with you this story. Some years ago, I was working with a business who had decided to pay loaded rates. So they were paying above award rates. And in their mind, they felt that they were doing enough and they didn't have to pay additional allowances. And specifically, what we're talking about with them is annual leave loading. In their mind, they had included annual leave loading in the rate. However, at no point did they communicate that with their team members, there was nothing in writing and there was certainly no individual flexibility agreements. And that's all okay until it's not okay with one of your employees. They had a team member who'd been with them for five years who was going great, doing fine, until one day she wasn't. She became disgruntled and she made a claim to the Fair Work Commission for back payment of her annual leave voting. They did not have a leg to stand on. They had nothing in writing. They had nothing documented. There had been no discussion around the fact that annual leave loading was included in her hourly rate, and there was certainly no paper trail for it. They had no IFAs. They had to make back payment despite paying above award, and then they had to rectify that with the rest of the team who had all found out about this along the way. I don't want to see any of you in that scenario or the business I worked with who wanted to create flexibility for part-timers in their business. And they had created a clause in their contract that stated that part-timers could work additional hours by mutual agreement at their ordinary hourly rate, and that had worked for them. And this has worked for many businesses without any glitch at all. Again, until you get someone who's uh, unhappy (laughs) and has a bug to bear, went to the Fair Work Commission and said, I've been working extra hours without and I haven't been getting paid overtime. And despite her contract very explicitly and specifically stating that this is what she was agreeing to, they made back payment for overtime. Back payment claims can ruin a business very, very quickly. A few cents per hour multiplied by many hours, multiplied by many employees over many years, it can add up super fast. I mean, we've seen in the media so many Big businesses, particularly restaurant and hospitality businesses, have been stung by this recently, where they hadn't run their numbers right. Employees weren't paid enough and they were hit with massive back payment claims. In some cases, it sent them under. I don't want that for any of you. But also, on the flip side, what an IFA gives you is total and complete clarity. Because you have to detail how you've passed the boot test in the document, you know that you're covered. You have to prove that you're covered. And It gives you and the employee clarity, but it is something that has to be entered into by mutual agreement. You can't force an employee to sign an IFA. You can't make it a condition of employment. It is a very separate agreement. So This is a very brief but technical episode. If you want to unpack IFAs in more detail, please reach out to me. If you're concerned about your business being protected, please reach out to me. I don't want anyone's business underprotected in the current market. So, Individual flexibility agreements or IFAs are agreements made between employer and employee in terms of altering conditions of a modern award in order to meet the genuine needs of the employee in the business. You definitely need to be using them when you employ staff that are covered by an award and you don't do things strictly in accordance with the award, which is most people. That's not a bad thing at all. You just need this document in place to protect you. And they give you that that protection against underpayment claims, back payment claims, they demonstrate that the employee is better off and they give both you and the employee clarity in a written, signed and executed agreement about what the terms of the employment relationship are and which parts you're being flexible about. So I highly recommend if you have award-based employees, you don't have these in place, you just take a look at things and see whether you need to get them done. They are so important. And I've seen them give time and time again in protecting businesses and businesses that don't have them and think they're fine and then have these back payment issues. You just regret it. You don't want to have regrets about a simple piece of paper. They're literally a couple of pages long. They're not difficult. Now, as I said, we don't usually do technical episodes, but this has popped up into my world so many times in the last few weeks I really wanted to have a chat to you here on the podcast about the value of this particular document, and I hope you found it useful and not too detailed and technical. Now, I want to let you know, if you are enjoying the podcast, if you're a regular listener, or even if this is your first ever episode and you've loved what you've heard, I would truly appreciate it if you hit the subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast so you get the latest episode in your earbuds uh, every Wednesday. And also that you would take the time to give us a rating and review. It really is valuable for others to know whether this podcast is for them and lets us know what you're enjoying, which episodes you're listening to, and what you're loving most about the podcast. So wherever you're listening to this, particularly if you're on Apple Podcast, I would truly appreciate a couple of minutes of your time to do a rating or review for us. All right, that's a wrap for me for today. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the People Powered Business Podcast.